got started talking about the Holy Spirit. We got started with our message there, and, um, you know, the more and more I study it out, the more and more I take a look at it, uh, it's just, it, it just gets me jacked up. I'm just excited about seeing the Holy Spirit in this light and seeing uh, who He is. Um, no longer are we trying to beat around the bush with it or, uh, you know, trying to not be controversial about the Holy Spirit, but just really trying to dig in and what does the Word say about Him? I said last week that God is in heaven and Jesus is in heaven, but the Holy Spirit is the one that's down here with us. So that tells us that we ought to get to know him a little bit. and We ought to get to understand who he is. And I mean who he is. Uh, remember last week we said that he's not just a feeling, it's not just a power, it's not an emotional thing, but he's a person. He's a real person. Um, and he is the spirit of God. So learning to know who the Holy Spirit is and what he brings and, and what he has to offer to us tells us a lot about God. Tells us a lot about God's presence, about God's spirit, about uh, what God wants us to be. And so it's been exciting getting to look at this. And just a little refresher, remember we looked at the Holy Spirit and we went all the way back to Genesis. And we saw that in the very beginning, the second verse of the entire, the entire Bible, the Holy Spirit shows up. It says that God created the heavens and the earth and then his spirit was upon the earth, hovering over the earth waiting to enact on whatever God would say or whatever God wanted to do. But from the very beginning, so we didn't have to wait for Jesus. We didn't have to wait for Paul. We didn't have to wait uh, for, you know, the New Testament to be written to start learning about the Holy Spirit. He was already there in the beginning. And we saw that when God created man, the first thing he did was he breathed a breath of life into man. And that was the Holy Spirit going into man. The Holy Spirit was the communicator. The Holy Spirit was the one that revealed the will of God to man. The Holy Spirit was the one that showed man how to operate on the earth the way God ordained him and set him in place to do. Um, Again, if you go back to our kingdom concepts that we've been looking at for a while now, you understand that man was placed on the earth in authority and with dominion over the earth to rule it, not on his own Heart and not how he wanted to, but how God wanted to. If you look at Jesus' ministry, he many times, many times makes the statement, I don't speak on my own initiative. I don't say what I want to say. I don't do what I want to do. I don't go where I want to go. I'm doing, saying, going what God wants me, what the Father wants me to do. He says that numerous times. And what is Jesus? Jesus is our example. So he is showing us To rule and to operate on the earth, we need to be in tune with the Father. We need to know what the Father wants. And so we know, uh, we saw last week that the Holy Spirit is the one that clues us in or communicates that. He's the go-between. He's the one that is showing us what the Father wants done in the earth. This is how we're supposed to operate. Then we saw that before Jesus even started his ministry, he was baptized by a man named John the Baptist. He was baptized in water, but when he came out, a dove ascended upon him, and that was the sign of the Holy Spirit. Before Jesus ever got started in his ministry, he first received the Holy Spirit. We saw that Jesus was 100% man and 100% God, which meant that as a man, he had to receive the Spirit of God to do the things he was called to do on the earth. The Holy Spirit 
is assignment related. I'll say that again. The Holy Spirit is assignment related. That means that he is given to us to accomplish an assignment. Jesus' assignment on the earth was done and was fulfilled because he first received the Holy Spirit upon his life. Without receiving the Holy Spirit, the laying on the hands doesn't take place. The raising the dead doesn't take place. He's 100% God, yes. But he was taken on the form of a man. It says over... I believe in Second uh, Corinthians says that Jesus did not consider it robbery to make himself less than God, to become equal with man. So he came down to man status. And so by doing that, he had to receive God's spirit upon him so he could fulfill and accomplish his will. The second thing we saw was that Jesus, when he died on the cross and rose again, it wasn't just to get us entrance into heaven. We saw that. We saw that going to heaven was simply a byproduct of what Jesus was doing. But Jesus died on the cross and rose again to give us eternal life. But with that, he enabled sin to be taken out of man. Remember we saw over right before Noah, God said, I've got to pull my spirit out of man. I can no longer strive or I can no longer abide with man. Sin had taken over and where sin is, God cannot dwell. Sin and God don't mix. They can't, can't happen. Can't be in the same place at the same time. So what did Jesus do? Jesus dies on the cross to take sin out so the Holy Spirit could come in. Something had to come out. See, Jesus didn't just pull something out of us and then just leave us empty and try to figure out, well, what are we filling this void with? He gave us his spirit, which can now come live inside of us. Why? Because we still have, an, we still have a will and a purpose and an original intent to accomplish. God never gave up on that plan. So this is how the Holy Spirit plays. The Holy Spirit can now come in a person, come into a uh, human being to help him fulfill his assignment because sin has been renewed or been removed. Jesus made us righteous and the Holy Spirit makes us holy. And we'll discuss that later on. But the work that Jesus did was get us into a righteous position, a right-standing position with God himself. So now we can hear from God what he wants us to do. We can now be enabled with the power that God wants us to have to do the things that he's put us on this earth to do. Um, Right after Jesus died, uh, when he first saw his disciples, remember he went into the room. He just jumped right in. They had the doors locked. Everything was shut up. They didn't want anyone coming in, nobody going out. They're keeping to themselves. They're scared. They're fearful. And here's Jesus showing up out of nowhere. And the first thing he does is he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. What's he doing? He's saying, now that I am, now that I have come back from the dead, now that I've died on the cross, I've taken sin out of you, now I can put my spirit in you. Because you have an assignment. There's a reason why you've been following me three years. There's a reason why you've seen everything I'm doing. There's a reason why you've been connected with me and you've ate with me and, and drank with me and, and uh, you know, been staying with me these last three years. It's to see what I'm doing to go out and do it. So here's the Holy Spirit. And so he placed the Holy Spirit within them by breathing upon them. We saw that in John chapter 20. So that's where we left off. We saw that man has an assignment. The Holy Spirit helps communicate and enable us to accomplish that assignment. Today, I want to get into uh, job descriptions. Job descriptions of the Holy Spirit. Jesus did something very awesome. 
And he gave us very specific job descriptions of the Holy Spirit. Now, a job description is very simple. Anyone that's ever had a job, uh, anyone that's ever been assigned a task, um, the job descriptions do several things. But one of the main things they do is they help you know what to expect out of the assignment. They are assignment-related. A job description always goes along with an assignment. If I give you an assignment, let me give you information that will help you accomplish the assignment, and let me give you information that will help you know what to look for on the other end of the assignment. Well, the Holy Spirit has been assigned to man. We're going to see this. He has been assigned to man. Now, that may sound weird. The Spirit of God has been given to man, but he has. Not just for him, not for us just to feel... Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit here. You can feel the Holy Spirit. Oh, I sense his power. You can sense his power. But we're going to see here that there are four specific assignments, four specific job descriptions that Jesus gives to the Holy Spirit. So let's look at this in John chapter 14. John chapter 14. We're actually going to stay within three chapters here, 14, 15, and 16. And just to give you a little background, get you caught up in what, where we're at here. Jesus has just finished the Last Supper. And he knows what's getting ready to take place. You gotta, it's, it's an amazing picture to think of. And, you know, this is Christmas season and you start to tend to think on these a little more. But Jesus came into this earth knowing he was going to die. That's amazing. I don't know that I would want my purpose sent around, centered around me dying. I don't know that I would want to live just knowing that for me to accomplish my assignment, I have to die. So thank God Jesus did it. Amen? But right here in John chapter 14, um, Jesus is wrapping up the Last Supper with his disciples. And he knows what's getting ready to happen. He knows that his time is near. The word says that he laid down his life. No one took it from him. He went to Jerusalem. If you look right before this, in John chapter 11... He goes and he raises his friend Lazarus from the dead. But the reason he was so late showing up to Lazarus' death was because he was hiding out. He was was hiding out. He was not wanting to go into Jerusalem. He had to get into outer cities where people couldn't find him because they were looking to kill him. So here we are three chapters later. He's gone into Jerusalem on his own accord. No one drug him in there. No one forced him. He knows what he's going in, and he he knows that he's not leaving Jerusalem. He knows this. He has his last supper with his disciples. And when you talk to someone or when someone has something to say and they know that their time is short, you you usually find that that's pretty important information. If someone's about to die, um, if you have a boss that's getting ready to leave or getting ready to transition, You tend to see in these type of situations where you see someone's time is short, the information they're sharing is pretty vital. They're narrowing it down. They're not just sharing. They're not just shooting the sky with you. I mean, they are. They're finding what are the most important things I can share, and this is what I want to talk to them about. And if you look through these three chapters, 14, 15, and 16, uh, chapter 17 is where Jesus gets into the Garden of Gethsemane and he starts praying. But 14, 15, and 16, he's talking with his disciples. He just got done washing their feet, just got done breaking bread, just got done telling Judas to go do his thing. So we're getting close here. And they're centered around two themes. 
The two themes are love. He has a lot to say about love. And the second one is the Holy Spirit. And he has quite a bit to say about the Holy Spirit. The first one is love. That was one of the main themes of these three chapters was love. This is where he says, uh, you know, I give unto you a new commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love as I have loved you. Setting a new standard there. Uh, But the second thing here is the Holy Spirit. And let's look at this in John chapter 14. And let's start with verse 15. John 14, verse 15. He says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Everyone say another. He will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Verse 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. There's a few words that we want to look here. First, we see in verse 16 is where he first mentions a helper. He starts talking about the Holy Spirit. First of all, this word another, this word another means an exact representation. An exact representation. Another of who? Of Jesus, of himself. He's saying that the Holy Spirit, when he comes, is going to look just like me. That word another also means of the same kind. Of the same kind. So here's what we can say. We can say what we saw of Jesus in three years, we can expect out of the Holy Spirit forever. For all the rest of eternity, the Holy Spirit will be in us what Jesus was on the earth. Okay? It's another. That word another is not just, you know, someone else who's not quite capable of everything I do, but pretty close. I mean, this is exactly what you see here. That's what we're bringing you. That's what I'm going to be sending you. Verse 17, you see that he refers to him as the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. So obviously you have to be saved to receive the Holy Spirit. You have to be born again. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. But it says here that we know him. We should know him, for he dwells with you. And then he also says there to his disciples, and will be in you. Speaking of a future thing, which we saw uh, six chapters later, is when he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. So this is the first introduction that we see here from Jesus talking in this uh, very important section of John to his disciples. And he starts explaining to them the Holy Spirit. Now let's skip on down to verse 25. Verse 25, and he says, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, So in case up in verse 16 we're having trouble understanding who the helper is, he goes ahead and lets you know, the helper who is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So here's the first job description we have. The first one is, he will teach you all things. The Holy Spirit is a teacher. This is his first job description. This is his first assignment. He will teach you all things. He is the teacher. The second thing comes right after it. And bring to remembrance all the things that I said to you. All the things 
that I said to you. Now, you've probably heard people, maybe, maybe not, you know, praying, you know, the Holy Spirit will remind them where they place their keys or where they place their wallet or, you know, these type of things. But specifically, I'm not saying the Holy Spirit can't do that because he's capable of some pretty awesome stuff. But specifically, Jesus says here, what we have scripture for is that he will bring to remembrance everything I said. Now, Jesus was and is the word of God. So this right here, the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance. He will remind you of the word. He will remind you. Now, obviously, reminding means that at one point you put it in. At one point you studied it out. So this isn't, you know, just put your hand on the Bible and try to some way by osmosis get it into your brain so I can use it later on or, you know, you get into a conversation. He's going to pull out what you've studied. He's going to put out, he's going to pull out what you put in. So based upon what you put in from this book, the Holy Spirit will bring that to your remembrance. I've had this happen numerous occasions. I'll, almost every time that I get up here, the Holy Spirit brings me something. Almost every time our sound guys, our, our media people have to quickly look up a verse that I did not have in my notes at all. But what is the Holy Spirit doing? He's bringing to my remembrance things that I've studied that go along in line with what I'm saying, what I'm speaking. And this can happen at your job. This can happen uh, in Walmart. This, can, this happens other places than church. Okay, Church is where you get it put in. Your personal study time is where you get it put in. But the Holy Spirit, he's all about letting that stuff come back up. He's all about, it's not saying you've got to memorize the Bible because we have the Holy Spirit who is our helper. Thank God we got a helper. You know what that shows us? Just the fact that God sent us a helper shows us that he does not expect us to do this thing on our own. Anytime you feel alone, anytime you feel like you got nobody else helping you out and you got no way to get this thing done, you start calling on that helper because you're not alone. You're not by yourself. You have been given the Holy Spirit to help you through these things. That shows you right there that God didn't place you down here and say, all right, get Figure it out. Do it. He's saying, I've actually placed someone alongside of you. You know, this podium is pretty, it's heavy. It's hard to move. Okay? But if I have a helper, we could probably get it done. We would get it done. But I'm not expected to move it by myself. Because I can get a helper to help me yank the thing and move it where we need to go. Amen? So just the fact that we have a helper shows us that God did not bring us down here and put us here by ourselves. So the first assignment we just saw was that he will teach you all things. The Holy Spirit is a teacher. The second thing that we saw was that his assignment is to bring things to our remembrance, specifically the word of God, specifically the word of God. So let's go on. John chapter 15, next chapter over, verse 26. John 15, verse 26. And Jesus says, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father. I mean, he's just he's reiterating this thing. I mean, you're thinking, man, in a few hours, not even that long, he's not going to be with his disciples anymore until he dies and rises from the dead. In fact, he says that they'll all scatter. You're going to leave me. You're not going to be by my side. You're not going to be there when I'm on trial. You're not going to be there when they're beating me. You're not going to be there when they're hanging me on the cross. So he knows what's coming up here. 
And he keeps, he's just going right on with this. Verse 26, but when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth, there it is again, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. That testify of me, that simply means that he will speak the same thing that I'm saying. He's going to do in you the same thing that I've been doing. In essence, you can put it this way. The Holy Spirit is working and doing in us everything that Jesus did on the earth. And this is something we've got to grab a hold of because we look at Jesus, we look at the things he did, we look at the signs and the wonders, the things he said, the miracles that happened, the way he could astonish and astound people, the words that he spoke, and we just think, man, and we put him on a pedestal when he should be. He's the son of God. But the key is, is that Jesus always meant to be an example. If I set an example, I mean for people to follow that example. I don't mean to just be an example and say, ha, you can't ever get it done. Just look at me and how awesome I am. Jesus set the example so man would then have something to follow. That's why disciple, a disciple defined as a follower, a student, a pupil. So this is what he was expecting. So he makes it very clear. Just as I could not do what I did without the Holy Spirit, you can't do what you're supposed to do without the Holy Spirit. Now, what are we supposed to do? Exactly what Jesus did. Exactly what Jesus did. This is the power that ought to be operating in each one of our lives. This is the power that we should be going to our jobs and going to the stores and going around town and and going to football games with. This is it right here. Jesus did not walk around as an ordinary man. Sure, he he was a man and and he did things that any other man would do. Uh, You know, he had friends, obviously. He hung out and did those type of things. But there was a second part to him that was always aware of what was going on. That was always aware that somebody needed him, and he was the answer to that problem. That was what Jesus walked around with. So now he's saying that the Holy Spirit will testify me, er, testify of me. Everything that I've said, everything that I've done, everything you've seen me do these last three years, I'm placing within you the Holy Spirit so you can do it too. This is very critical, what Jesus is saying here. Let's move on down to John chapter 16. John chapter 16, the next chapter over, verse 5. Jesus continues on. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. That's in the Bible. That's in the Bible. It is to your advantage. It is more profitable. It is better for me to go than to stay here. That's actually in there. Jesus actually said that. Jesus, the Son of God, on the earth, it was better for him to be in heaven than to not be here. 
that's amazing. What could be better than that? What could possibly be better than having the Son of God on the earth? Well, let's go on. Let's look. It is to your advantage. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Basically, he's saying that the Spirit of God and the Son of God, they're not in the same place at the same time. It's either me or him. Now, here's the thing. With Jesus, how many people were on the earth doing what Jesus was doing? One. But the Holy Spirit comes and lives in anybody that's in the kingdom and is upon anybody that receives him as Lord and that is placed in that right standing position and that has sin pulled out of him. Jesus came to yank the mess out of you so he could put his spirit in you, just to put it lightly, put his spirit in you so then you could do what Jesus did. And that is for a multitude of people. So this is why Jesus is able to say, if I stay here, it's not as good. Because then you can't have the Spirit within you. But if I go, then the Spirit can come and live in you. And instead of one doing it all, many can do it. And this was God's purpose from the beginning. Jesus, or God, told Adam and Eve in the garden to be fruitful and multiply. Why? Because he wanted many people doing his work. He didn't want to be stuck to one. He did not. Why do you think man has been so fruitful? Why do you think that man has been able to accomplish populating the earth? Because God wants the, the earth populated. He wants people on the earth, but he wants righteous people on the earth. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for righteous people that can be in tune with the Holy Spirit and do exactly on the earth what God wants done. Let's go on. Verse 8. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. I'll tell you right now, there is a difference between conviction and condemnation. Okay? I'll spell it out for you. Conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. Conviction comes from the Holy Spirit to show you what you're doing wrong so you can get it right. Condemnation comes from the devil to show you what you've done wrong to keep you going backwards. Anybody that feels condemned, and you can feel condemned without even being guilty. Do you know that? Uh, we've all been in that place. We've all felt I mean, you know, you know that, that time when you're at, at school and, you know, somebody played a prank and the teacher comes in and you know you didn't do it. And they look at you, did you do it? And you, you almost have that guilty, you're almost, uh, I, don't, I don't think so, you know. But that guilt can almost try to come on you. And you're not even, the con, you, you feel condemned almost and you're not even guilty. So condemnation comes from the enemy to keep you where you're at and to keep you going backwards. But conviction comes from the Holy Spirit to identify what you've done wrong, to help you get out of it and move forward into what is right. Condemnation comes from the devil. Conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. Verse 9. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. 
of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. That's amazing that Jesus actually told his disciples that he had so much stuff that he he couldn't even share it with them. They couldn't bear it. Not because they didn't have the time. It's because they couldn't bear it. But look what he says. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. So we have job description number three. He will guide you into all truth. Jesus, right before that, said, there's so much stuff that I want to tell you, but you can't bear it. You can't even, if I were to reveal it to you, I mean, Jesus already had told them stuff that they couldn't understand, that they couldn't grasp. There were many times that he did that. And he was actually able to tell his disciples more than he was able to tell multitudes, more than he was able to tell other groups of people. He said, it's given to you to know some mysteries, but for them, they can't hear it. They can't bear it. I want to be in a place where I can bear it. But then he goes on to say that the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. The Holy Spirit will help reveal those things that right now we can't bear it, but the Holy Spirit will show us. Secondly, he says that he will tell us things to come. He will show us things to come. So the first thing we saw, the first assignment was that he will teach us all things. He's a teacher. The second thing we saw is that he will bring to remembrance God's word. Whatever we hear, whatever we study, whatever of this word that we put in us, he will pull it out at the right time. Secondly, we saw that he will guide us into all truth. The Holy Spirit is a guide. And thirdly, or uh, lastly, we saw that he will show us or tell us things to come. That's the future. Now, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Let's go here because I want to hit something here real quick. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I really don't have a lot tonight. I just wanted to lay out these four specific job descriptions uh, before we go on. I could have continued actually straight out of last week, but I wanted to get into what Jesus specifically said before we continued on because Jesus was very clear uh, that there are four specific things I'm sending my spirit to you to do in your life. He's here to serve us. He's here to help us accomplish the task and accomplish an assignment. And he has been assigned to us. You have to see the Holy Spirit this way. He is a person that has come alongside of. That's what that word helper means. That word helper is made up of two Greek words. One means called out or called. And the other one means alongside. So he has been called to come alongside us. For us as human beings... To accomplish God's will in the earth, we need his spirit to help us do that. Now, the first thing you have to understand is that when I say you or when I'm talking to you, I'm not talking to what I see. I'm not talking to this outside stuff. I'm talking to the spirit man inside of you. We are a three-part nature. We are a three-fold nature person. We We are a spirit. That's who we are. 
The person you are, I cannot see. But you are a spirit. You have a soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's your soul. It's what you think. That's how you feel. And it's, it's uh, what you act on. So your mind, your will, and your emotions, what you want to do. And then we live in a flesh body. This is just a suit that houses your spirit man. Now, your flesh is important because without your flesh, your spirit can't be in the earth. Because God, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, turned over dominion and authority to man. Which means that if a spirit wants to be in the earth, it has to be inside a man. So, God, to accomplish his will and to accomplish his assignment in the earth, and what he wants done in the earth, has to use what? A man. A human body. When I say man, I don't mean gender. I mean human body. A human. It's not gender specific. He uses men. He uses women. But he ain't using dogs. He ain't using cats. He ain't using lions. He ain't using these things unless he has to. And he has. In fact, Jesus said, if you don't praise me, I'll make the, the rocks will cry out. I mean, God's going to get it done somehow. But I don't want animals and I don't want rocks and I don't want these different things doing all this stuff for me. I'm the human being that has been assigned in the earth to possess the Holy Spirit to get God's will done. Period. Same thing with the devil. The devil, to do anything in the earth, being a spirit, has to possess a body. This is called demon possession or demon oppression. And I'm not going to get all into that, but what I'm trying to show you is that as a human... To accomplish a will from the spirit realm, they have to use a human body. They have to house that spirit. Okay? So, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. God has given us his spirit, his Holy Spirit. Jesus said that once I leave, and I have to leave, I have to leave because it's better for you. It's advantageous. It's more profitable for you if I go. And when I go... My spirit will come upon you, and you can accomplish the will that I have for you. And I have given you the Holy Spirit to teach you all things, to bring to remembrance my words that I've been speaking to you. I have given him to you to guide you into all truth, not a lie in the truth. And I've given him to you to show you things to come. Now look at this in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 9. We'll start with verse 9. What profit has the worker from that in which he labors? I have seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. This is what we're talking about, the task or the assignment that God has placed on man. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity where? In their hearts, not in your mind. He has placed eternity in their hearts except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. I know that nothing is better for them than to rejoice and to do good in their lives, and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it, Nothing can be taken, and nothing taken from it. 
God does it that men should fear before him. Look at this. That which has already been and what is to be has already been. And God requires an account of what is past. Now, I want to go back up to verse 11. Verse 11, he has made everything beautiful in its time. And he has put eternity in their hearts. You've got to understand, when the Bible talks about a heart in this manner, it's not talking about what's pumping blood throughout your body. The heart is the spirit. So he's put eternity in your spirit. But he says, no one can find out the work that God does. That means it can't be known by your own mental processing. He's placed it in your spirit. We've been talking about mind renewal, and the only way that your mind knows what God's all about and what God wants to do is by getting in tune to your spirit man, getting away from the flesh and getting over to the spirit. But he says that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. But he's placed eternity, he's placed the future in your heart. So what is this saying? God has placed the ability to know the future within you. Remember, we have said from the beginning that your spirit is all about God. As soon as you come into the kingdom, your spirit is born again. Your spirit is made new, made alive in Christ. And now the Holy Spirit, or your spirit, is now all about what God wants to get done. Your spirit knows your assignment. Your spirit knows what you're going to do tomorrow. Your spirit knows what you're going to do in five years, in ten years. But we don't know it here. We don't know it here. But we just saw in John chapter 16 that the Holy Spirit will show us things to come. The Holy Spirit has been placed alongside us to show us tomorrow, to show us our future. Now, here's the awesome part about this. Your future Let me put it this way. God is not walking through our day with us. Your life is done and complete in God. (laughs) I'm trying to word it. Your future is in God's past. You see where I'm going with this? What you do tomorrow... God already knows what you're doing tomorrow. God already knows what you're doing 10 years from now. God already knows everything. He knows the beginning from the end. That actually, from, he knows the beginning from the end. Which means that God started at the end and then worked his way backwards. You could put it this way, that your life is a picture to God. And our job is not to paint the picture for God, but our job is to get our life in alignment to the picture that God already has of us. You are a completed work in God your entire life. When when he formed you, when you were born, when you were placed on this earth, he already knew your assignment. Now, whether or not you fulfill that is a whole other thing. Whether or not you complete that task, that's a whole other thing. But your life is laid up with God. It's done. 
He's placed eternity in your hearts, except no one can find out. The Holy Spirit has already been in your future. There are no surprises to God. Now, I was telling the, um, I was telling you guys here at the church that, you know, when the county wanted to start, um, you know, taking a look at what we're doing over here, there's no reason to get distraught. There's no reason to get in fear. There's no reason to get in worry. Why? Because it was not a surprise to God. He knew that was going to happen. He knew that would take place. So basically, you could put it this way. Any problem that you have, God already knew you would have the issue, and he's already come up with an answer. Before you got in debt, he already knew how to get you out of debt. Before you got uh, in this problem, he's already gotten you out of the problem, and he knows how he's going to get you out of the problem. We see this. He's placed eternity in your hearts. By how? By putting it in your spirit, by his Holy Spirit. By his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit will bear witness with our spirit. And he will show us things to come. This is how the Holy Spirit reveals to us the future. You know, the, we just saw that the Bible refers to us as a guide. I don't know about you, but I don't want anybody guiding me somewhere they've never been. I don't want anybody taking me on a tour where they've never been, and they're, they're scouting this thing out for the first time along with everybody else behind them. I don't want that. But guess what? The Holy Spirit can show you things to come because he's already been in your future. He's already been there. He's already seen it. So now he can guide you. It says the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. Our steps are ordered, and now we just simply follow the guide. And it may look dark up ahead, but he knows where he's going. He's been there before. He's been in your future. He's been in your tomorrow. There's no sickness. There's no surprise. There's no bill. There's no issue. There's no problem that you can have that is a surprise to God, and he's scratching his head with you saying, how are we going to get out of this? He has the answer, and he had the answer before you had the problem. So he has placed eternity in their hearts. That You went on down later there in verse 15, and it says that what is going to be has already been. And what has been has already been. What's he saying? He's saying it's already been done. There's nothing you can do to surprise God. There's no issue in life that can come up. That's going to have him thrown for a loop. So this is why the Holy Spirit is so important, because we all have a will for our lives. We all have a purpose for our lives. And part of that is uh, the Holy Spirit has been given to us, been assigned to us, to help us realize that purpose, to guide us into our future, to help us take care of what tomorrow brings. That's why Jesus could say in Matthew chapter 6, don't worry about tomorrow. It has its own problems. He knows there's problems. He's not saying, you're going to wake up tomorrow, it's going to be a bed of roses. You're not going to have any issues. You're not going to have any worries. He's saying it has its problems. You worry about today. You let God take care of today. And you walk through your future with the Holy Spirit. 
in essence, he's saying if you try to take care of tomorrow before today, you're getting out in front of the Holy Spirit and trying to walk a course without him guiding you. And now you're going somewhere you've never been. And the Holy Spirit's, and you know, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. The Holy Spirit's not going to push you. He's not going to shove you. I mean, if you're in sin, um, in fact, people can become desensitized, and that simply means that you have done something uh, against the Holy Spirit so long that his voice has gotten quieter and quieter and weaker and weaker. This happens. We just keep running uh, a position in our life or keep doing things that we know are wrong. You know, and the Holy Spirit calls it a conscience, but the Bible calls it the Holy Spirit. And so you you get that thing quieter and quieter and weaker and weaker. He's not going to push you. He's not going to force you. And if you want to get out in front and you want to start leading the way and start doing your thing, he's not going to run out back in front and say, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? He'll say, hey, I already know. I already know. Let's play follow the leader, and I'll be the leader. Let me go out. Let me help you take care of your future. Let me help you go through that. The steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. Okay? So the four assignments that we saw tonight, just to review it real quick. The first one we saw is that he would teach you all things. I'm telling you right now, the Holy Spirit will show you things. He will. The Bible says, Jesus said it right there. This doesn't void or negate the fact that you need a pastor. I'll tell you right now. The Holy Spirit doesn't replace the pastor. The pastor role is there, is still there. Paul had plenty to say about the five-fold ministry, and he said that nowhere in there that that was only good if you could no longer hear the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit will teach you things. Secondly, he will bring things to your remembrance. So that means that we've got to be putting something in for him to pull something out. You can't, you cannot take a test that you've not studied for and expect to remember anything, okay? So he'll bring things to your remembrance. Second thing he says is that he will uh, guide you into all truth. He's the spirit of truth. So there is no lie with the Holy Spirit, and he will guide you. He will direct you in truth, okay? And then the last one we saw is that he will show you things to come. He will reveal to you your future. He will, reveal to you, he will reveal to you your purpose. And that's, that's, that's awesome to be able to walk through and know that we have someone who will reveal our future to us as we continue to walk this thing out. It's a lamp unto my feet. It's not a, it's not a, you know, a beacon. It's not a lighthouse unto my ocean. It's every step that we're taking. It's guided. And you just take care of that next step. And you just take care of that next step. And that's all that God is accountable for. Uh, in fact, you can put it this way. When he says, don't worry about tomorrow, he says, I am required to take care of your 24 hours. This 24 hours. So don't try to get ahead of God. Don't try to get out into tomorrow. Because he will show you things to come. But the steps of the righteous are ordered. Amen? So... Um, those are the four main job descriptions that Jesus has pointed out. And um, next week we'll continue to look a little bit deeper at the person of the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to start getting into a spirit-led life. We're going to start looking at what a life led by the Spirit is. Uh, Paul has a lot to say 
about being led by the Spirit and not by the world, being led by the Spirit and not by your flesh. So we're going to take a look at those things. It's kind of what we were talking about in Mind Renewal, kind of where we were saying you could go after the Spirit, you can go after the flesh. So now we're going to take a look at what does that Spirit-led life look like. We know how to do it. We know that if we renew our mind, we get there. But we want to take a look at what that looks like. Amen. Well, Father, we thank you for this word.